0: Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi, September 11th, 2020. Can you believe another September 11th has gone by? It seems like it was just yesterday. Do you remember where you were on September 11th, 2001? I was in my dorm at Penn State getting ready for my 945 Marketing 405 class. I was a, gosh, was I a junior or a senior? I was a I was a junior and I um had my little TV on in my tiny tiny dorm room to the Today show and I suddenly hear Matt Lauer and Katie Couric saying there's been breaking news there is a fire happening in one of the towers of the World Trade Center and I thought that's weird you know I had just had an internship in New York City that summer and I could see the twin towers from my window Uh, from my tiny, another dorm room in New York City window. I was staying at NYU and thinking to myself, wow, you know, those Twin Towers, I actually had this thought, you know, they're just sort of like hanging out in the wind. Like what would happen if, you know, a helicopter flew in or like there was some sort of freak accident. It was the first time I'd really seen the Twin Towers in all their glory. Uh, So close up every day would see it from out of my window And, you know, fast forward to being in my dorm room that fall and just, you know, like everybody, scared, fearful, confused, and, you know, the rest is, uh, well, history, but we don't forget. And right now, New York's going through another bit of hell with the pandemic and the devastation caused by COVID-19, leading to so many businesses closing and perhaps never opening again, people leaving the city and perhaps never coming back again. But I am hopeful that New York will get its groove back. I think it's going to be a new New York, a different kind of New York, but the, but the essence and I think the soul of New York will always remain that Resiliency, that optimism, the the New York that I fell in love with, you know, that summer, that internship, and realizing I want to be back here once school is over, and I did, despite uh, a lot of uncertainty still around what was going to be the future of New York City. I graduated in two thousand two and went immediately to New York City and started my studies. I went to graduate school at Columbia, and some of my. St- Classmates did not show up for school that that August. They were afraid. And I understand that. And I understood it. Um, But I'm so glad I made the choice to go against the fear. That fall. And I hope that that happens again for us right now. But today is a day of remembrance. Uh, I live not too far from a place called Eagle Rock here in Montclair, which is this gorgeous mountaintop. And overlooking that, you can see the entire skyline of Manhattan And Eagle Rock is a preservation that has also become a memorial for the victims of 9-11. So sending my blessings and my condolences if you're listening to this show, if you um, experienced a loved one's passing as a result of 9-11, I'm very sorry and I wish your family peace. We have a lot of really, really strong questions from the audience. And I just want to remind everybody, if you missed last Friday's episode, please check it out. It is all about credit. That is a topic that is top of mind right now. So many of us curious about banking on these low interest offers, whether it's for a mortgage or a car, your credit score is going to play a role in that. There's also a lot of mistakes happening right now on our credit reports. According to the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, I did a little bit of digging and discovered that complaints about credit reports are at a record right now. And I think it's because people are taking on some of these modifications that have been granted to us in the wake of COVID. People are losing their jobs and obviously not being able to make a lot of payments. So lenders are saying, look, we'll give you some deferment or payment plans and we this will not impact your credit, right? This will not get reported as a ding on your credit report. Well, some people allege that that is not happening whether, you know, consciously or unconsciously happening and it needs to get repaired. And in the meantime, of course, the credit score gets hurt. So it's it's tough and it's why it's really important to check your credit report more than just once a year as we used to say, check it as frequently as you can. And actually now we are allowed to check it as often as once a week for free At annualcreditreport.com. So just public service announcement before we get to the rest of the show. If you haven't checked out last week's Friday episode, All Things Credit, with my guest from FICO, the official credit score model that most lenders use, check that out and check your credit score at annualcreditreport.com. Okay. This week, we've got questions about estate planning, should I get a will? How can I get one that's affordable? Helping out parents who are struggling financially and especially if there's a sibling involved who is not being helpful and might be even freeloading a little bit. I've got some answers for that person. Whether to sell your home to have more liquidity and more sort of you know financial flexibility in your life. If a lot of your wealth is tied up in your equity in your home, what good is it serving you right now, especially if you do need the money? So I've got some advice For a lot of great questions today. Before we get to them, I just also want to say congrats to all the families who succeeded the first week or two of school. Here in Montclair, public school is back in session. Evan started first grade on Thursday and it was a success insofar as he wasn't laying on the floor crying within the first hour, as I sort of expected. He was attentive. He participated. He did at one point complain that it was taking too long and he put his head on the desk. But I think I would have been doing that as well. It's a lot. It's a lot for anybody to be on the computer for you know two hours straight and then some. So uh, kudos to all the kids, all the families that made it and i'm not assuming it was a breeze i'm assuming it was it had highs and lows but we made it and we're doing it one day at a time we're doing our best and teachers too it's really hard for the teachers i have a lot of listeners here in the so many community who are phenomenal teachers and i want to also give you praise and say best wishes and I know it's not easy and I know you're giving it your all. Let's go to the iTunes review section and pick a reviewer of the week. This person will get a free 15-minute money session with me. This week, we want to say thank you to May RAC92. May RAC92 left a review on September 3rd saying, I appreciate and love the advice and the insights and all the guests that I uh, the show has to offer. Farnouche makes financial literacy seem more accessible. And I've learned so much from listening. Thank you so much, May. Email me, podcast.com. Let me know you left the review and I'll follow up with a link to schedule a, a time for us. You can schedule a time for us. And last week I picked Beth Elias, who has not reached out yet. So Beth, if you're listening this week, we did select your review last week. Would love to connect with you. Same thing. Email me, podcast. All right. Mailbag time. Our first question comes from Maria, a written in question that she posted on moneypodcast.com. She clicked on Ask Farnoosh. I got it in my inbox. She says, Farnoosh, I love your podcast. I have a question about estate planning. How does one go about estate planning in the simplest and most affordable way? The options seem overwhelming. How do I know what I need? Will versus trust or both? How much of it can I do on my own? before involving an estate lawyer. I'm eager to get my estate planning done, but I'm not sure how to go about it. Okay, Maria, and everybody else thinking about this, very important question now more than ever, a lot of us thinking about the what ifs and estate planning is important. It sounds really sophisticated. You might think, well, I don't really have a lot of money or I don't own anything. I think everyone should have a will. We all have things that we care about in our life belongings, jewelry, or cash, you've got kids, they're valuable, and you want to make sure that they're looked after by people that you trust and want to look after them. A will is a great place to start. And then I'm going to go into trusts, but let's start with the will. Everybody, I think, who is an adult, who will probably need funeral arrangements at the minimum, should have a will. This is where you explain what you want to happen to everything you own, everything you care about, after you die and it goes into effect after you've passed away you can put in things like you know your funeral wishes you can set up guardianship for your kids through your will you obviously talk about you know what what, what you want to happen to your assets your will usually does have to go through probate which is another name for the court system to be executed and that does take time and that could take a little bit of extra money It's important to sometimes pair a will with a living, revocable trust, where you're going to put some extras in this thing, and it goes into effect as soon as you create and sign it. That's where the word living comes in, something that can be changed on the go. And it's where you typically include what is to happen to your big ticket assets, like your home, your second home. Um, You will still need a will. Trusts don't include everything that you own, like your jewelry, your valuables. It doesn't always include information like guardianship. So the will is kind of where you start. And then if there's extra stuff that is of high value, then you might want to consider a trust as well. It doesn't require going through probate a trust. So that's good. You basically appoint a successor and that person becomes the executor of the trust and it can be a much faster process. Start with the will You might realize you need the trust after that. The guardianship is an addendum to the will. The trust, I found some interesting sites. I'm actually going to look into this myself. I had a will executed, Tim and I, and a trust uh, when we first got married. And we did that through an attorney and it cost like, I think, $2,500, which is probably around the going rate for an estate planning attorney. You can also execute a very basic will online online. For free or for very low cost. Sites like Rocket Lawyer, LegalZoom, NoLo, those three sites have been around for many years. And there you can make a basic legal will for free or, like I said, very little. If your will is more complex, you've got multiple properties, multiple dependents, blended family, lots of accounts, a business. I think in that case you do want to hire an attorney to make sure that you don't forget stuff and that you, you know, you just have everything all your ducks in a row. It's worth it I think in that po- at that point to hire have someone oversee all those different moving parts, adopted children, ex Husbands, ex wives, you know, like you just want to make sure that it's very straightforward. And God forbid, you know, when you die, you don't want your family like kind of trying to interpret the will and then having to hire an attorney and then do it now, get it done with. It's the kindest thing you can do. Life insurance and will is the most generous, kindest thing you can do for your loved ones in your absence to give that to them because they're mourning you, they're grieving, and they don't want to have to go through this stuff. They're emotional mistakes will happen. Things that you didn't want happen will happen. It's really important to do all of this while you're living. I also found trustandwill.com. for a will for an individual. This is a newer company. I saw it mentioned on Business Insider. .com which I love that site I trust it. They were referencing a site called trustandwill.com. You can do the guardianship document, you can do a will, you can do a trust for much less than hiring an attorney. It's sort of the go between of okay, don't pay $0, but don't pay $2500. This is sort of the in between trustandwill.com. Quicken has a will maker and a trust maker as well. So if you're familiar with Quicken, you use it for your bookkeeping, there's trust there. Maybe you want to check out Quicken as well. Not to overwhelm you, I know you said this was overwhelming, but I want to simplify this. I do think you need a will. From there, maybe you need a revocable trust. Get something to talk about guardianship as well in your will. Trustandwill.com is sort of the compromise where you don't want to pay big, big bucks for the attorney, but you don't also want to pay zero and feel like you're forgetting something and it's a little too basic. So this is sort of a nice in-between for people who want to feel like they're still getting something robust, but you don't have to pay the big bucks. Quicken as well. And then if you just want like literally a two-pager, Rocket Lawyer Legal Zoom NOLO, they have very low, sometimes free templates that you can follow. I also have done some episodes on this. If you want to go back in the archives, Laura Cowan is an estate planning attorney. Episode 663, episode 663 with Laura Cowan. We talk all about wills and trusts and she's got some resources for us there that are Uh, Extra. So good luck, Maria, and thank you for your question. I think you probably read a lot of people's minds. Claire on Instagram says the following I just graduated in May from college and I just started my big girl job, and I'm stumped. I'm making good money, not great money. I am ambitious and I've continued working as a server on the weekends to make extra cash. I have financial goals, but I'm not sure where to start. I want to invest. I want to set myself up for success in the future. I want to buy a home. I want to have a nest egg. I have a significant amount of student loan debt and I don't know where to start. I want to tackle that debt as soon as possible, but I also want to, you know, save for a house and I just need some advice. Okay. So I've got advice for you, Claire, and I would also recommend that you listen to my very recent episode on Monday, this Monday with Allie Katz. She's a new AG financial expert. We talk about things like financial sovereignty. Uh, She is really great in the sense that she's putting our financial goals in the context of today, how to think about debt in the grand scheme of your life. She would argue that We have had this kind of protocol, right, that we follow, which is that focus on the debt first and then get your financial life, the rest of it figured out. But she would argue that with a student loan, even if it is in the six figures, which I'm guessing with you, Claire, because you say it's a lot, pretty significant. So I'm guessing it's going to be high five figures, six figures that, you know, it is daunting, but it is also student loan debt. It's not credit card debt. It, you know, it, where we would imagine it would have like a double digit interest rate attached to it. It's student loan debt on the spectrum of like good debt on one end and bad debt on the other. It's kind of in the middle, you know, it's not great, but it's not terrible. So the most important thing I would say for you, Claire, step number one, optimize the student loan payments. Figure out how you can get these student loans in a place where the monthly payment is more affordable for you, and then you can plan around it. Can you refinance? Can you get on a more affordable payment plan? Call your lender, but don't stop there. Shop around. Sofi.com, S-O-F-I.com, one of the newer financial platforms that has grown to be so much more now, but it really, the the heart and soul of this site when it started was helping loan borrowers, student loan borrowers, refinance where they may have been turned away many other places, even their existing lender wouldn't help them out. They uh, were sort of the untraditional lender and they had some different kinds of ways to help you refinance to make it more affordable. I assume these are not public loans because if you do have public loans, even better you know, there are a lot more options for you to get on income-based repayment. If not though, call your lender anyway, see if you can stretch the term to make the monthly payment more affordable. This will allow you to shore up more cash to invest, to save. The one caveat, of course, of stretching the term is that over the life of the loan, unless you pay it down earlier, you will pay more interest because it's a longer term loan. But in the meantime, in the short run, This is a way that some people like to give themselves more breathing room in their financial life to lower that payment. But, you know, right now with COVID and everything going on, banks are coming up with different solutions for their borrowers. So number one, optimize those student loan payments, get them as low as possible every month, automatically pay it set it, forget it. If you start making crazy amounts of money, more money windfalls, then pay down the principal more aggressively over time to reduce the term and reduce the overall, you know, debt load there, but for everybody who is graduating, it's really just about getting on a plan and just like your rent, you just pay it automatically and then you move on. Step number 2, start automatically saving 10 to 15% of your income in a liquid savings account. Don't worry about the interest rate. Do this until you have the equivalent of, I'd say six months of your basic expenses shored up. This becomes your emergency fund. That's the next layer. And you do this while you're paying your student loans you don't do this after your student loans are out of the picture. You do this simultaneously. You optimize the debt. So now you move on simultaneously, or maybe a little bit further on down the road when you have more money or you feel like you maybe you feel like this is this is plenty for me. Like I basically have to now just eat and pay my rent and that's all I can afford. I get it. But if you do have extra money left over after paying your student loans and saving 10% of your income, then I want you to invest. this becomes the next step. It could be simultaneous. It could be later on down the road, but sooner than later, open a Roth IRA at any number of banks or brokerages. And within that Roth IRA, I want you to invest in a broad market index fund, something that tracks the market, and max this out every year. This year, the max is $6,000. Maybe with this restaurant job that you have, that becomes your Roth IRA job. The tips that you get, the income that you make, that just becomes your retirement gig. I like to do this. You know, this helps me a lot. Like I did this in my twenties. I would have these gigs outside of my full-time job. And I'm like, this is my get out of debt gig. And this is my retirement gig. And it just helped me kind of Attach a purpose and a focus to that job, give that job a role, give that money a role. That's just what I did. I, it really helped. Additionally, with retirement, if your company, I know you're not making, like you said, great money, but maybe the benefits are good. If they have a 401k, I would contribute to that. That's a great way to also save for retirement and get a head start. If you can do 10%, great. If not 10% of your salary, great. If not 5% of your salary, just start somewhere automatically and increase it as your income increases. If there is a match that your company offers, do at least enough to earn the match, the full match. Now, once you're rocking and rolling and you've got all these cylinders moving, now you're thinking about your home. Purchase down the road. This is not a retirement goal. This is not a goal for tomorrow. It is a midterm goal. So, for midterm goals, I think it's fine to open up a brokerage account and stick that money in something a little bit more aggressive than a 0% checking account. Go to Ellevest or wealthfront.com. These are great robo advisors where before setting up your account, they ask you, What is this money for? is it for retirement? Is it for a short-term goal or short to midterm goal, like buying a home where you don't want to earn 0%, but you also don't want to risk all of it. And they'll create something that is risk-adjusted for a goal that is to be met in the next, say, five to 10 years. Okay. And you start contributing to this every paycheck or every month. And you might want to start doing this sort of, you know, once you're retired, I would say once the Rainy day is taken care of. Once you've hit that six month mark for the rainy day, continue to contribute that amount of money, but now shift it into the house bucket, the house down payment bucket. If you save $500 a month or whatever you can, you know, I'm just going to throw out $500 a month times 12 months, times seven years. That's at least 40 grand. If you're investing that, that could be 50 grand. It could be 65 grand uh, because of compounding. So you also could lose some money. But if you do set it up with one of these places, like an vest or a Wealthfront, and they understand that you want to withdraw this money in, say, seven years... They're gonna adjust the portfolio. So the closer you get to the the seventh year, the less risk you are taking on. You're not gonna to get hard, too hard hit In a in a volatile market, you know I love these basic questions, uh, these introductory questions because it's a good time to sort of refresh and kind of revisit the tried and true steps. Even in an uncertain market like this, I have new rules, but these rules don't change. You know, optimize debt, move on, save for your rainy day, invest for retirement, and then in a separate account, invest for your midterm goals, where you don't want to or nothing, but you also don't want to risk it entirely in the market. Jacqueline on Instagram says, hey, Farnoosh, now this question's a little hairy. She says, my parents are going through a tough time financially because of my dad's health. He was recently in the hospital for 12 days with pneumonia. And my mother took family leave to assist him in the daily tasks. My dad is retired. My parents are not financially literate and they have a mortgage that they are still paying. It's $2,300 a month. They do, however, have a second rental property that is currently vacant and unfortunately they cannot sell it due to my sister using that house as collateral for her student loans. She's also unwilling to help my parents. The only way they're going to make it this month is by digging into my savings, which was supposed to be solely for my last senior year of college. I thought of getting a part-time job, but my chemical engineering curriculum is too rigorous, too time-consuming to allow me to do that. Should we get a loan to make ends meet? For now, I will go through their statements and and teach them how to budget. I also need to convince my sister to take off the student loans against the second property. They really want to sell. The appraisal is about $150,000. Should I make a GoFundMe account to raise money? A part of me is too proud to do that, but we've never been in such a bad financial situation. All right. I've got some advice for you. Jacqueline, thanks so much for this question. Thanks for trusting me with this question. It's hard. I get sometimes questions like this, and it really bothers me when you've got a family and they can, the family can't come together. There's a sibling that's holding everybody back. And it's an adult sibling. It's a college educated sibling. The student loan debacle sucks. I don't like that she has all of this debt, but this is her problem. This is her responsibility. And if you want to have her tune into this right now, she is welcome to hear from an objective podcaster (laughs) with opinions, but who is not, you know, obviously I have no stake in this, but I, I care about everybody. This is going to be an important lesson and an important journey for your sister as well. Stop jeopardizing your parents who raised you to be able to go to college. Yes, with a loan, but to college nonetheless. They set you up for success. And now to thank them, You're going to deprive them of the one financial asset that could unlock them from financial hardship that could set them free. Why wouldn't you do that for them? As a student loan borrower, you have options. You may not think you do. You have options. Your parents don't have a lot of options. And God bless you, Jacqueline, that you are helping out your parents. I hope they appreciate you. Here's the steps. Number one, call with your parents their mortgage company. And ask if they can get any relief on their primary home. Can they get a modified payment plan? Can they get a deferment? Sometimes you need to offer up some of the potential solutions. You know, tell them what you need and let them know that your dad went through an illness and that your mother had to take time off work, that you are experiencing financial hardship. It's not related to COVID but it is what it is. Can they help them temporarily with some sort of modification payment plan? This is going to help buy them some time to come up with a longer term solution, but at least for the next month, you don't have to take money out of your savings and they don't have to risk defaulting. Just call the mortgage company before it gets really ugly. And step two, talk to sister. And really this conversation needs to come from your parents. Parents own it. Parents, you need to address the problems that you're having with your children if it's impacting your finances. They're adults now. Everyone's an adult in the room. They need to basically say the following. This is the script. We can no longer pay our mortgage. The only way We can pay our mortgage is to sell the second home. That's it. We can no longer afford to give you this second home as collateral for your student loans. That is in very plain terms what they need to say. Your sister, then, I would give her some action steps call her student loan provider and say, Hi, update. My parents need to reclaim this property that can no longer be used as collateral for my debt. So, I'm calling because I'd like to learn about modification plans. I'm just guessing these aren't federal loans. If they were, if they are, then even better, she could call and ask for a payment plan that is pegged to her income if she's low income. If some of this is federal debt, then guess what? She doesn't have to pay a dime until the end of this month, and she shouldn't have been really paying anything. And they, everybody's who's got a federal loan, a federal student loan, it went into automatic deferment through the end of September, and it may get stretched. But your sister needs to do the right thing here. And again, feel free to have her listen to this episode. And finally, to answer your question about the GoFundMe, yes, there is no shame in asking for financial help, especially right now. I, just, I said it on the Today Show. It's a new rule, everybody. Pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, being heralded as you know the heroic way of, of achieving financial freedom, if that is actually your story, awesome. But most people can't just pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Financial freedom, in this case, just financial security, it is a feat. It is a heavy lift. And it requires all the help. As you know, it requires everybody to support family, the bank, the public, friends. So explain yourself. I mean, you're telling me the situation. My heart goes out to your family. If anyone just gives you $5, you know, that it adds up. And if they can just get enough, I'm sure family will help. I'm sure that friends will help. If your parents are good people, if they've ever helped anyone in their life, this is that person's opportunity to pay it back. If they can just shore up again, that one month of mortgage, which I'm guessing you might get more, it'll buy them time to figure out how to get the rest of their finances in order. But I really appreciate you for asking this question, for opening up to me about this and to our audience. And I really hope your sister does the right thing, does the adult thing. All right. Last question is from Lena. And Lena says, Hey, Farnoosh, I'm 28. I live in Ohio. I've just decided to leave my corporate job of five years to pursue a dream in the coffee industry. With this comes a severe pay cut. My new paycheck will force me to live paycheck to paycheck. I'm looking to sell my condo and return to renting, which would be the same monthly living expenses, but I would get The gains from the sale, and I could put it in the bank. Right now, I have 19,000 in my 401k, 5,000 in a traditional IRA, and 16,000 in rainy day savings. I have no debt besides this condo. Would selling my condo be worth it for the extra money to invest right now? Yeah, don't just do this because I told you. I don't wanna, this is a big decision, but I'm gonna give you my two cents. And as if we were girlfriends, cashing out your home right now, because it does sound like you need it because you are behind with investing at 28. I would love to see you have more than $24,000 tucked away for retirement. I don't know what your retirement goals are, but I would like to see that be double, triple at this point. It's not. It's okay. But if you can cash out the equity in your home, you could also do a cash out refinance. Think about that. If your home has really appreciated, you can get a new mortgage, which would be the new value of the home. So your monthly payment would go up, but you would get the difference. So that's one option. Or you could sell. That's another option. If you really like where you live, if you think your home could appreciate even more in the future, you may want to just stay in it but try doing a cash out refinance. It does increase your monthly payment, so be prepared for that, but it would give you that that equity in your bank account which could help you to supplement retirement. But I would say unless the equity that you're going to get from moving, selling and moving is not more than $50,000, I don't know, I might stay put because then you got to pay the broker's fee. You have to move. There's costs related to that, right? Moving costs. You may not get as good of a place. You know, happiness counts here. If you're really in love with your place, if it's brought you joy, I, I don't know. This is not a light decision. You need to do a little bit of math and you want to do a little bit of like personal reflection. Would moving make me money, but make me miserable? I do think it's important for you to invest more in retirement. So it's one or the other. It's either doing the cash out refinance or cashing out entirely by selling. Get an appraisal and see what you're facing. I think that's step number one for you. That might help to steer you in... A good direction. Now, interest rates are also really low right now. So I don't know what your current rate is, but could refinancing, not a cash out refi, but just a refi, could that save you a few hundred dollars a month if you can get a 3% interest rate? Things to consider, refi, cash out refi, or moving. Those are sort of the three things to evaluate. If you've got more questions, you know where I am. You know where to find me. You found me once. <laughs> you could find me again. Thanks everyone for your questions. Maria, Claire, Jacqueline, Jacqueline, Jacqueline I love that name either way you say it, and Lena. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Come back here on Monday, please. We've got a great lineup. This whole month, we've got, oh my gosh, Sophia Amoruso, Boss, Kara Golden, the founder of Hintwater, all coming up this month. You don't want to miss an episode. Have a great weekend. I hope your weekend is so money.